You can pick your nose, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick the movies you watch because your friends pick them for you. Or at least that's what happens on The Pick. That was a listener-submitted intro. Uh, <laughs> it was good. It was really good. My name is Colin Westman. I'm joined by... John Otney. And Sean Lemmy. Is uh, listener a generous description? I I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> Nina has listened to the podcast. She listens before. to it live. Uh, sort of. She hears my end of it at least down in the basement. <laughs> the studio <laughs> to an extent. This the home studio. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it's uh, it's Christmas time, almost. It's also the fifth night of Hanukkah currently. Oh, good I'm, night. Sure. I'm sure uh, we'll be done with Hanukkah by the time this is posted, but it's uh, it's holiday season, so we are doing a Christmas movie on this episode called The Preacher's Wife, and... And it's the season finale! It is the season finale, <laughs> yes. We did we it! it. <laughs> Another year of the pick in the book. In the books. Well, yeah. There's multiple books. There's a lot of books. Colin, yeah. There's only Just one like how book. Boba Fett has. It's good. Oh, yeah. He's got too many books, though. So. Yeah, yeah, what did that mean? What, are we, what books was on that? I never finished it. Oh, it's called The Book of Boba Fett because it, it doesn't make sense. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like the Book of Saw. He becomes, like, Shogun of Tatooine. Uh, and and the Power Rangers work for him by the end of it. It's uh, dumb. There's a fight scene where Boba Fett and Mando, who's there because he's a better character than new Boba Fett, uh, each get shot like a thousand times and they don't take any damage. (laughs) Really fucks up the stakes of everything. And that's your... Well-deserved Disney property check-in. Yeah. Every episode of The Pick has to have one. Sean loves the mouse. He's got to pay his respects. I can't even remember if the book of Boba Fett was a little pick. I don't even feel like it was. Because <laughs> I don't know if you cared about it enough. Pick it now. <laughs> pick it now. <laughs> Let me tell you what I remember about the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Ah, uh, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, we'll we'll get to Sean's little pick. Um, my little pick. Look, it's kind of a silly little pick because it's like something we all know incredibly well. <laughs> it's influenced us to a an embarrassing degree, but you know the holidays are a time to like kind of return to comfort food in various different ways and so something that has been like that for me recently is i have been watching a a lot of episodes on youtube of siskel and ebert at the movies uh 
So that is my little pick. Um, I guess maybe I the algorithm fed me these because I, you know, I saw that Matt Singer was coming out with that book about Siskel and Ebert, which I want to read. And so after I watched a video of like him being interviewed about it, I, I just kept being recommended <laughs> old episodes of Siskel and Ebert that people had transferred to YouTube from uh, their VHS tape collection because the thing that sucks about <laughs> at the movies with Siskel and Ebert is it is not on streaming and I am pretty sure it never will be which sucks because it was it was for a little bit yeah no because the way that we got introduced to those old reviews um was when we were in I feel like it was the summer before college um the Siskel or not Siskel I guess it would have been the Ebert and Roper website um, uploaded like the entire library of Siskel and Ebert and Ebert and Roper reviews um, as like individual reviews um, that you could just find and like search in this huge database of reviews. It was great. The internet used to be better in a lot of ways. <laughs> like people mm-hmm. would just give you free shit that you wanted um, in an easy, easily digestible way. I will forever be haunted because I clearly remember watching a review. It was a Siskel and Ebert review. It wasn't, it wasn't Ebert and Roper mm-hmm. where Gene Siskel hated the movie uh, and Roger Ebert liked it. And the only thing I remember about it, the reason I can't like find this review is the only detail I remember is Roger Ebert being like, and I thought the sex scenes were pretty sexy. I really enjoyed them. <laughs> it just felt extremely cursed at the time. And I wish I could find it again so I could laugh at it and make sure that that's not a false memory I created. But it's, as, as far as I know, it's lost to the void forever. Yeah. Well, you know, Roger Ebert loves big boobs. He did write Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's <laughs> out of character for him to no. like whatever it was. But, you yeah. know, I'd love to have proof. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, I feel like there are just watching old reviews. There's definitely lots of movies where they do have to talk about movies with like a lot of sexual content, uh, and it's always like kind of weird for these like extremely dorky guys to be talking about like how titillating the sex scenes were in whatever movie. Especially because it was on like public access originally, right? PBS, uh, that's correct. I think it was on PBS, and then it yeah went into syndication. Um, I think it, I think the episodes are owned by Disney because they yeah. were. It was distributed by Buena Vista Entertainment, and th- that's another reason why I don't think it'll ever go on streaming is because I just have a hard time believing Disney gives a shit <laughs> about old Siskel and Ebert reviews. Um, but regardless, I, I've had a, a great time just watching old episodes because I never watched it in that format, at least of the Siskel and Ebert years, because um, when they launched that website in 2007, it was all like bite-sized reviews taken out of context of the full shows. And, and it is like you do get something from watching an entire episode because a lot of times they'll like kind of find a theme in the movies they're watching where they're like, I wish Hollywood didn't do this so poorly. <laughs> or, um, I mean the, the best one I watched recently was when they like kept disagreeing 
over the course of an episode. And that that's like the episode I'm thinking of is the one where at the beginning of it, um, they review Full Metal Jacket and Siskel loves it. Ebert gives it a thumbs down because he doesn't think it like measures up to Stanley Kubrick's other movies. But then at the very end of the episode, Roger Ebert gives a thumbs up to Benji the Hunted. <laughs> it's just like, what is wrong with you? And so just like watching the whole episode, you can kind of see how they like get on each other's nerves over the yeah. course of like multiple reviews. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's been fun. It's funny to think that like back then, this was like, oh, what an interesting thing nerds talking about and disagreeing about movies and now that's like that's like people's lives now they just go online and argue about movies yeah well i mean there's there's nothing on tv like that like i mean reality tv wasn't really a thing you have two guys that go on tv and like argue and like give their honest opinion about things not pretend to be like a, a tv presenter or something um, you know, there's that time when they're on, I think it was Johnny Carson and they're literally like trashing like a Chevy Chase movie in front of Chevy Chase. He's like also <laughs> on the show. <laughs> I'm reading that book right now. So this is very much in my world oh, nice. right now. Um, yeah. the thing that I keep forgetting to do that I really want to do is they keep talking about like clips and I'm like, I wonder if I can go watch this. And I, I keep forgetting to do so. Like I, I didn't realize like Letterman loved Siskel and Ebert. He had him on all the time. <laughs> He'd do mm. remotes with them where they wouldn't, they'd like go clean a house. They, they would, it didn't even matter what they're doing. He just loved them so much and loved their dynamic. Yeah. I think there are some of the remotes you can watch on YouTube. But I'd love to see how much of the old show, I haven't even checked how much of the, like, the old, old show is online. Cause like, I didn't realize that there's a period of time where they would do their dog of the week where they'd do like a bad <laughs> movie and they'd literally have a dog join them. <laughs> I think I've seen any of those episodes. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know if any of that. This is like real iteration. early, yeah, PBS yeah, stuff. Like I don't, I don't know if any of that's online, but it's just fun reading about it. I'd love yeah. to know if Matt Singer like had watched a lot of these clips or just heard about. It. I mean, he must have seen some of the stuff if he's writing about them. Yeah, no, I, I've been able to find that a lot of episodes are available on YouTube. It's just there. A lot of them are kind of a varying quality because they are like taped off of yeah <laughs> their original you know airing onto vhs and then transferred to youtube but it's yeah i mean it's a, a thing where like even though the the like this type of <laughs> format of just two guys reviewing movies has gone in so many different directions since that it's like you can't really replicate the chemistry that those two guys had in having a conversation um so like they it still really holds up to just watch their reviews um just because they're like so in sync with each other but also when they're not in sync with each other it's really entertaining also i feel bad that we kind of missed the the golden age of it i I mean i remember catching it every once in a while as a kid I don't really have any core memories of that, but like, I mean, we're, I feel like when we finally were really engaged with it, cause we were like, you know, film fans and old enough was, you know, mm-hmm. deep into the Roper years, but then also like deep into the like bizarre, uh, guest hosts that would show up. Yeah. Where Roger Ebert was like, you know, had cancer and 
wasn't yeah. on the show anymore. Like, we're even watching it because it's just <laughs> yeah. an appealing format. I remember going over to your house, Colin, after we saw Across the Universe, and it was like, I don't know, Ro- Roper and Robert Wolanski or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoever was the guest host for those couple of weeks. Yeah. Like I feel, we were watching it in those days. It would have been nice to watch it when it was, you know, the OG pair. So. I know. I mean, I think I even watched it till the end when they did that last season. That was just Michael Phillips and A.O. Scott. Yeah, um, yeah, right. Like when they tried to course correct after they did the two bends, and everybody hated it. Yeah, By everybody, yeah. I mean like five people who are watching it. Us, yeah, we we hated it. <laughs> they let us down. I mean Ben Lyons was it was his name Ben Lyons? Yeah. He was really bad. Ben Mankowitz is fine. Ben Lyons yeah. is so bad. I mean Ben Mankowitz I feel like he's kind of like uh the uh Turner Classic Movies guy now, right? Cuz Robert Osborne yeah, died. He he's kind of like their guy now. He's, yeah. He's got lots of cred. Ben Lyons yeah. sucked so I much. I think it's <laughs> I think it's just that Ben Mankiewicz, like in more of his wheelhouse, is like classic movies. I don't know yeah. if he was quite as good at, no. at tackling newer movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, we could probably fill a whole podcast talking about this, which we have since we did that top 10 <laughs> Siskel and Ebert. Oh, yeah. We doing I T3. should listen to that. We love those wow. guys. What love them to say? death. You know, uh, and I, I, <laughs> we're spending a lot of time on this little pick, but it's a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I think about like some of like the top celebrity. Like whenever you hear about a celebrity dying, and you have that shock moment, like when somebody first tells you, like I think Roger Ebert is up there with my top ones. Like I was just so shocked. I mean, we all knew he was sick for a long yeah. time, but like Robin Williams, Michael Jackson, like Roger Ebert, those are like some of the first ones that come to mind. We're like, oh my god, are you serious? We're like, I didn't read it on the internet. Someone just told me that first. Mm-hmm. Those are all ones that I heard about firsthand. It's like holy shit. That's just one that it, it still. I mean, even though he's six, still died way too young. I mean, obviously Siskel way too young. Such a bummer. Yeah. No, I agree because I feel like he was like kind of a guide for us in terms of like thinking about movies critically. You know, both watching those old at the movies reviews and reading his reviews online that he was still publishing. Like he just was like a presence in our lives in like a very formative time as, as film fans. So like, yeah, no, that was, that was really sad. And like his, uh, you know, Ebert, especially his takes still come up often. I feel like in pop culture, people yeah. will reference things he wrote about certain movies. Um, on, I just watched the fucking terrible. I'll be home for Christmas. Jonathan Taylor, Thomas, <laughs> movie and we went right as we're watching it was so bad we went right down to the roger ebert review from 1998 and it's just it's even it's still such a funny review like um yeah uh i'm just gonna read it real quick because i really liked it people who seem to be removed from a 50s sitcom so they can spread cliches ancient jokes dumb plotting and empty cheerful sanitized gimmicks into our world and time (laughs) there's something so funny about our world and time (laughs) as if this movie doesn't even belong in this uh, our world it just it's still this stuff is still so funny to read there's just not a lot of people who write like that like that are that are also like really respected critics (laughs) yeah so real loss and and i think when whenever people are like why do you care about movies um 
film is a machine that generates empathy is like one of the first quotes I think of. And that's yeah. Roger Ebert's whole thing. <laughs> really, he just boils it down into something simple and profound, which is what he was so good at. Um, all right. How about one of your guys' little picks? Uh, well, since we're speaking of the, uh, the mayor of New York City, uh, can I once again go, bum, 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 bum. Bum 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 bum. <laughs> I think that I think maybe I did too many bumps. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, got, I got lost. Hey, get the fuck up! It's time uh, to talk about uh, Godzilla minus one. I was making a reference to 1998 Godzilla having Mayor Ebert. I'm sure everyone listening to this knows that. Uh, this oh, is yeah. not. <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah, that, that, took, that definitely took me a minute. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. Um, <laughs> Godzilla minus one is the latest Godzilla movie. Uh, I feel like it's getting kind of lost in the shuffle of them already promoting Godzilla X Kong. <laughs> I don't know. Godzilla times Kong? What is that? Yeah, called? well, they're not, because they're, like, friends now. And mm. dude, if you see the trailer, Godzilla has, like, pink, like, spines now. It's so a bad title. It looks so like, bad. There's too many Kongs. Uh, yeah, there's, like, a there's like a bunch of Kongs in it. There's, like, a mm. baby Kong. It's, baby Kong. Uh, as, as I've said before, um, my favorite... Kaiju movies and, and Godzilla movies specifically are, and, and, and I guess this applies to like superhero movies too. I like movies that are about humans and a realistic world, but then they have these big things in them. So like my favorite Godzilla movies are the ones where it's just Godzilla. He doesn't not like Godzilla fighting other giant monsters. Um, and and I would say my favorites are the uh, the, the original and uh, Shin Godzilla from 2016 and now definitely up there in my top three is godzilla minus one um, this new japanese godzilla movie it's called minus one because it's actually set like even before the first godzilla movie it's set in in the mid 1940s uh in in post-war japan it's not i don't think really connected to uh, any other godzilla movies it is more of a of like a remake of the first um of the first Godzilla because it does have um, some some of the same like shared elements uh, that are I guess are really consistent across the whole series. Um, but what makes this one unique is that it's uh, the story of a uh, kamikaze pilot played by uh, Ryu Nosuke Kamiki, uh, who someone John knows, but not really because. Uh, he's he's uh, the voice of a lot of characters in uh, Studio Ghibli and other anime okay. movies. Uh, I guess you would know if you watched the subtitled Your Name. Uh, he, he was talky in that, like the main guy. Um, but uh, he's, he's, he's also uh, uh, like a real live action actor too. Uh, and here he plays this really sad pilot uh, who... Um, chooses to uh not commit suicide with his plane at the end of the war 
uh, and fakes it having a technical problem and lands on an island that just so happens to be Odo Island, the island that Godzilla visits sometimes. Um, and he manages to survive that encounter and go back to Tokyo uh, as the war ends, and he is just overwhelmed with grief for all his comrades that died and the state that his country's in, and PTSD and uh, survivor's guilt, especially because of this Godzilla encounter that happened. And so it, it's about uh, him rebuilding his, his life uh, and and Japan itself rebuilding, uh, and then also Godzilla keeps coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like um, I've I've seen on Letterboxd and and in some of the re- reviews I read, people have said like, "Hey, this movie is good enough that you kind of forget that Godzilla is gonna be in it, and you kind of just get caught up in the actual drama." Like someone's like, "This could be a pretty good companion piece to Oppenheimer because it's just like the about like." the nuclear fallout and the, and, and, and Japan having lost the war and, and the, the toll it took on um, regular citizens in, in that country. Um, that said, the Godzilla parts are fucking sweet too. And um, it has maybe the best um, like humans fight Godzilla scene in any Godzilla movie I've seen. Um, at the end of this it's a lot of fun they use a lot of the uh, classic music which I now recognize because I've seen a few uh, of the original Godzillas and um, I just I had a really good time I took I took my brother Alex and my dad to it um, it's, it seemed like they really liked it too um, so it's like it's way up there for me and it's definitely put this director on on the radar because um, he actually, this director, Takashi Yamazaki, um, worked in animation as well. Um, he, he's the director of that Lupin the third, the first from a couple years ago that people were like, wow, this looks really pretty. I don't know if that actually was good, but I remember <laughs> there was a lot of hype when the trailer came out. Um, and so not only was he like the writer and director of Godzilla minus one, but he also like worked on the VFX and designed what Godzilla looks like and I think that's really cool um, and it really shows the power of having one person like as your director uh, for the whole movie <laughs> you know I, I, I do talk a lot about these Marvel movies and there's definitely that thing in Marvel where you know that the people directing the action scenes are totally different from the people <laughs> making the rest of the movie and um, when that's not the case, when you can have all your character drama tied into the exciting and you know disastrous scenes, uh, it's it's really cool. Um, so yeah, I think Godzilla minus one is probably going to show up on my top ten of the year. Uh, I, I'm already saying it's in my top three Godzilla movies of all time, and uh, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, really excited to watch this one. It seems like the CGI is like finally good in Japan. I feel like for the longest time, I was, I'd see clips of monster movies. I'm like, this looks like shit. But I feel like, I don't know at what point it happened, but I feel like now it's like, that looks pretty good. I'd watch that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not as good as the CG in some yeah. of our movies. But, but it's artistic. 
but so also gets away with it. they were committed to the costume for way too long <laughs> yeah like they're like they, still in like 2005 they had them like in the costume i'm like this is so stupid looking the, the i think shin godzilla is the funniest version of that where they film things with a costume and all of it they're like this looks so bad we can't use it yeah but then they went out of their way to make the cgi godzilla look as much like it was in a costume yeah that's fun that's cool <laughs> Yeah, this is the first time I've seen like clips of the Godzilla where I was like, "Oh, that's not th- that looks like something that could be made here. It's not too embarrassing. Oh, they'll check this out." And I, I do plan on checking it out. I just wasn't sure. Like, I was like, "Is this going to be only in theaters for like a week, and then it's going to come out on VOD?" But I heard they extended, um, for like for like another week or so. It's it's uh, theater time. I actually saw like it was like the number because we're recording this on a Monday. It was like the number three movie at the box number th- yeah I think number three movie at the box office over the weekend. Just like wow, wow. Uh, Boy and the Heron being number one, I believe. Ugh, Japan. I know it's pretty up. cool actually to see that people are. I mean, I guess that just shows how bad the box office do- is doing, or that these you know these uh, international films that probably aren't being as heavily promoted in the states. Uh, you know, they're just you know. They're good, and there's enough of a fan base so people will come out for them. So that's that's good. That's cool. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting. I I think both of you will like it. I think most people will like this. Oh, uh, I'm sure I will. But but yeah. but John in particular, I think you'll enjoy how much it apes Spielberg. Ah, like there are without a doubt scenes that will remind you of Jurassic Park, Jaws, and Saving Private Ryan in this movie. Yeah, no, I I almost watched it like a week ago, but I just couldn't like because I you know those cheap movie Tuesday things, but I just I couldn't fit it into my schedule. So that's why I was like, even though I think it'd probably be well worth seeing in the theater, part of me is like, ah, I kind of just wish it'd come to streaming. I'll just rent it or something, so I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> It's also that thing where it's like everyone's just watching Christmas stuff now. I mean, yeah, I'll make an exception for Godzilla though. He's a he's my Santa Claus. Gives <laughs> <laughs> the greatest gift of all: Mon- monster attacks. I don't know. Just like I don't really know what my little pick is. I guess I was gonna <laughs> recommend all of pink floyd's discography <laughs> whoa <laughs> just because today I, I i just finished listening to the every pink floyd album today damn this has been a project for about less a little less than a month uh, but I, I think just to make it easier to post i'll just say that my little pick is the documentary squaring the circle the story of hypnosis colin you probably know those guys hypnosis it's spelled with a g in the middle they do all the album artwork like they did a bunch uh, of yeah. they did like Dark Side of the Moon, Houses of the Holy. It's actually like a pretty yeah. average documentary. It's just on Netflix, <laughs> but it's like it is fun to hear about how these these two British artists designed all these great album covers, like Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here. Get get the behind the scenes of all of them, and mm. uh, and they, these guys would like spend ridiculous amounts of money on some of this stuff, like something that would never exist today <laughs> is people spending like thousands and thousands of dollars for the album cover. To make you know, for like a photo shoot, so that was fun to hear about. Well, um, they had yeah. to actually light a guy on fire for wish yeah. you were here. Didn't that, was, they? that was hard. They talked about yeah. it. There's like a greatest hits uh, Wings album because for some reason they did like like a lot of Wings album covers. Hmm. Paul McCartney really liked those guys. 
they like he has like a greatest hits it's like a little statue on a mountain and like you could have easily done it in a studio but they like went to like mount everest to get the photo <laughs> mount everest the biggest one yeah and then it's like you know i guess we could have just shot it in the studio but you know <laughs> so that's paul mccartney's in the dock that's always a pretty good get it's got pretty much everyone you'd want who's still alive to be in it you're like roger waters is in it I guess it makes more sense for me to recommend that than recommend all of Pink Floyd's uh, discography. Though I had a I mean, fucking blast. I, I am I am more curious <laughs> to see about, like what your thoughts are on. Well, the, I'll ask the you, Colin. Lesser known albums. Where do you think Pink Floyd stops being good? Um, <laughs> I don't know actually. Cause, it's actually like, not I, that hard of, if you think about it. I mean, I, 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 like, I would guess maybe after Roger Waters left. I mean, but, exact. 1,000%. But I am like, are those 80s albums, like, underrated at all? No, they're they terrible. Just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I actually don't even like... There's an album right after The Wall called The Final Cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of cut, it's just a bunch of songs they cut from The Wall, so it sucks. <laughs> okay. And that's still Roger Waters, but it just like feels like the filler songs from The Wall that are in between all the awesome songs. Yeah. So that album, I was like, this kind of sucks. I'm like, maybe the one where he's gone like, will be kind of cool. I'm like, oh no, this is even worse. <laughs> and then like, the, it's crazy because like, you look at all these ranked lists where they rank all the Pink Floyd albums, and everyone... like puts those like those the, the 80s one and the mid 90s one is like these are underrated but oh these are fucking terrible the, the 90s one sounds like new age music it wasn't i guess it's not that bad but is that um the division bell the division bell one? i think the division bell is slightly better than moment momentary lapse of reason just like the the production sounds so shitty it's all like those like crappy like sega genesis synths it's just so <laughs> like ill-befitting of the pink floyd sound like people will say some of like they did like one in like uh what was that the 1969 called more that's mostly instrumental soundtrack album but like yeah but that's better because it's like old 60s guitar and shit and like i like the sounds of like old the old production so it's like it's mm-hmm. better than shitty like 80s synths and guitars and then their last album which I actually remember came out when I was working at Barnes and Noble, Endless River, which is mm-hmm. like, even at the time I was like, because people were like, this is the last Pink Floyd album. Like, I was like, this is like a fake album. This isn't, because it's just like, it came out w- like years after Richard Wright had died. Roger Waters mm-hmm. isn't on it. There's one song with vocals on it, and it's like an hour long. <laughs> and like, it's like cool in parts, but it's like, it's a fucking hour long. Like, they got the title right, The Endless River. <laughs> certainly feels like it. But I will say, that run from the first album all the way up to the wall, I had so much fun. I had, I pretty much liked all of them, even when, like, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, there's a couple of albums where I'm like, this song's in need, like, 30 minutes. This is so stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. Though I will say, like, my opinions didn't really change that much. Like, I, I think... I feel like everyone kind of have the top, like, if, if you ranked all the Pink Floyd albums, everyone's top four would pretty much be the same, just in slightly different orders. Mm-hmm. Is it four albums that came out in, like, no, in succession? No, no, I don't think so. Well, I'll, okay. I'm going to ask I'm gonna ask you, Colin, what do you think, what are your what are your personal top four? Maybe yours aren't the same as mine. Um, Not in no particular order. And, and unless you want to put them in order. I don't know. 
Well, I'll tell you what I, I think. I feel like I, I have more of like a top five. Well, I mean, the ones that I I guess that I think is like Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Uh, I like metal a lot. Um, dark, you know, darkness. Darkness on the Edge of Town, whatever that fucking album's called. Darkness on the Edge of Town. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen one. briefly joined Big Floyd. <laughs> it's so good. And then, you know, like, Wish You Were Here in the Wall. Those are the big ones. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to Animals. I, I know people like that. One. I mean, it's the only one I f- physically own. Which is a bizarre purchase. (laughs) I mean, that's what you do when you're at a half price books when you're like 17 and you see something for five bucks and you're like, okay, that album's weird. Yeah, you name my those that your top five is my top five. I'd say Metal is the album that I hadn't really listened to much of. I'm like, this is really, really good. If there's if there's one you haven't listened to. It's that like yeah, that's it, the sleeper, it's very daunting because it's like oh the last song is twenty minutes long but it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's my long winded I guess that documentary <laughs> or this or or Pink Floyd's discography. It was just fun to do. I I, I was trying to do Wings as well because I also watched that. Yeah, they're also heavily in that documentary, but like dude. Wings is bad. Like I've kind of decided yeah. that aside from Band, always, Band on the Run, they're like not good. I've always wondered, yeah, if those like, other Wings all, all the are hits good. are good, and then the albums are bad because like other guys sing and they're so bad. Oh, what? There's like this one album called Wings Speed of Sound, and everybody sings and it's terrible. <laughs> but like all the Paul McCartney singles are incredible, so everyone thinks they're good, but they're not. Yeah, I still haven't. Fin- I haven't. I haven't listened to. They have like one. Uh, album. My dad had all these albums too, so I'd look at all the covers. I think my dad had all the pink, most of these Pink Floyd ones I'm talking about too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like a Wings album where they're like on a spaceship looking down at Earth. That's the one I haven't listened to. <laughs> yeah, I know that album. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I, just for convenience, I'm gonna recommend Squaring the Circle because it, it'll make you want to listen to all those albums, even though there's a lot of ones that aren't good but have really good covers. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go, yeah. can can you guys each sing your favorite Pink Floyd lyric as Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> My favorite Pink Floyd lyric. Pink Floyd lyric? I don't know. If you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. Um, let's see. We're I- just... Two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl, <laughs> year after year, <laughs> taking away the moments that make up a dull day. <laughs> I think we're on to something here. This is a great era. <laughs> I, you know, I think Bruce really fits. It is. Like, surprising actually because they're very promising all of those were you know yeah <laughs> it kind of fits his uh his outlook it does. all right so i'm glad we got into our little pixel lot because i don't know if i'll have that much to say about this movie i enjoyed it 
the preacher's wife this was your last episode you're like this feels like a movie you'd like john it's like like in your zone of like 90s family film and you fucking nailed it dude this is so <laughs> in my zone of like yeah. back when like 90s movies were like like 90s like comedies were like of a decent budget and like filmed on location with like good yep. like no like famous people denzel and good Whitney actors Houston. Yeah. Like they go, they don't like. I feel like if this movie was made today, it would go straight to Netflix and it would have like second tier stars. It would not nearly be uh, as good or as polished as this. So, what a treat the 90s were. Yeah. Because back when people like didn't know, like, is this a hit? Is this a thing? I feel like the 90s were very experimental like that in a way. No, I mean, it's extremely weird that they're like, let's just remake this 1947 movie <laughs> that starred Cary Grant. That isn't even like one of Cary Grant's more famous movies. No. <laughs> uh, but let's just do it because it's like got kind of a kind of a wacky premise. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know what the impetus for remaking. This yeah, movie I wonder was. if there is like another film and like we need something that's like this. Like, I, you know, like, what was there a wave of film? I don't know. I mean, I guess there were just... I'm trying to think if there was another whimsical 90s... I don't know. That's, did you... That's the, yeah. Did you guys see the one connection this has with the last uh, couple movies we watched? No. I didn't read any of the background. This this is the third movie in a, in a row where the female lead was written for Julia Roberts. <laughs> that is true. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it was... I guess it was. This is the role of Julia. Makes sense. <laughs> was written. Um, well, it says... Actually, I had, this is Wikipedia. So who fucking knows? But it's oh, like I'm on IMDb. Of, yeah, it says the role of Julia was written with Whitney Houston in mind, but Denzel Washington was at first considering Julia Roberts for the role. I don't know... Yeah, like at what point in the development of the movie that would have been that um, Denzel was thinking about having Julia Roberts star in in this film, um, which uh, you know he he did have quite a bit of say over this movie because his uh, production company I think produced it. Um, I don't know. I just feel like. <laughs> really changes the whole dynamic of the movie if there's just like one white actor in it uh and she's the preacher's wife but who knows who knows um would she anyway. still be a singer though like a uh, i mean that's the thing African too American is like this baptist church <laughs> Yeah, it's like this role is so tailored for Whitney Houston. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of thinking like Denzel Washington was considering Julia before they had even written the script. Okay, when they were just back when it was still just like, yeah, like a Bishop's Wife uh, remake before they really decided on what it was. Yeah, because a lot of things would have to be different in this movie for it to make sense for, uh, for Julia Roberts to be co-starring in it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, based on a, an old movie that is kind of a forgotten Christmas movie that I watched last year. 
I enjoyed it about as much as this movie. I think I might actually like the remake like a little more. Nice. I mean, they both are like similar in that they're both like <laughs> sort of light uh, fluff, but like pretty well made uh, fluff that that'll put you in the good mood. Question willing. about yes. the original: How much magic did he have in the original? He's still an angel, right? Still same idea? He's still an angel. I feel like not that much. I feel like it's similar to this, where the magic is subtle. Like, maybe he can make things levitate. Were you guys (laughs) confused by how much magic Denzel had? Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like at first he can only (laughs) control technology. (laughs) Like that toy car. I feel like there's another piece of technology. Mm -hmm. I can't remember now that he... You know, another one I remember is he's playing the piano and then he like walks away, but the piano is still like playing music. I mean, you guys are getting to my main pet peeve because you're describing all the magic he does in one particular scene. That's like when he's (laughs) trying to freak out. So yeah, Uh, is it Hamilton? Is that his name? The like the rich guy, the rich property developer, Joe Hamilton. Yeah, Um, I wanted way more magic throughout the movie <laughs> instead of just in this one freak a guy out scene. I just want to know how much he has or like can, can do. Has. Like maybe he can has like he can only use a certain amount of magic. He can change how photos look, which he does. <laughs> yeah. That was fucked up. He puts himself in a photo. But then God is really to... pissed. Yeah, God so was like, like that's no good. That was really no, that was, was like, so sorry, that was really good. um yeah i'm like kind of torn on that aspect like it would i think it would be more fun if he did more magic stuff uh just because it it might add to more comedy in the movie which i think it could use a little more of um yes i just like it because every time he does I was gonna, sorry, I was going to say every time he does a spell, it does a little twinkle in the score. It has like a little sound effect. Uh, yeah. like, you can tell. That's the magic. Hans Zimmer knows what he's doing. Yeah, dude. It's really good. Like every time he shakes someone's hand, which apparently feels... Oh cool. my god, he has the magic hand. I forgot about the magic touch. That's my letterbox review because like when he shakes um, Courtney B. Vance's hand, it, he's like, ah, it feels like spring springtime and mom's home cooking. And I, I wanted to know what other people felt when they. <laughs> I assume that's what everyone felt, but maybe not. It is a little know. bit it's of a mysterious. cheat, I think, that this movie does, where it's like, because I kind of really like, or we're just kind of jumping ahead, but I kind of really like how he's mm-hmm. just straight up telling people, yeah, I'm an angel, by the way. Yeah. And like, no one, uh, you know, obviously it's so hard for him to convince uh, Courtney B. Vance. But then, like, he just, like, shakes his hand, and it's like. So they're so people are convinced by something the audience can't see. <laughs> Feels like a cheat that the movie's doing. I, I feel like he needs to do something else to convince them. But I do like it because I like Kitty's match. Anyone else? Oh no! I mean, I feel like I mean, obviously the kids are like, but the kids are dumb. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe not. But they definitely think there's something special about him. You can't tell me that. Yeah. I mean, Greg he gets Gregory Hines to go to church. I, I definitely remember Ew. people really like touching him, but I just can't remember if anyone else believes that he's an angel, except for the kids. I'm not even that sure if Courtney true. B. Vance like really believed him. Yeah. yeah, this isn't like a Michael situation where he's got like wings. 
This would be a fun double feature to do with Michael. That's the thing is he never does anything that spectacular that would like totally convince everyone that he's an angel. He's just... He does the most mundane thing. Oh, you know, that's right, because they all, I forgot that they <laughs> everyone else thinks he's from some sort of like church council. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's they think the he's angle. Just the assistant. That's the angle of the angel. <laughs> yeah. Correct. So, Colin, are yeah. you going to go through the plot, or are you just going to go through your, your top five favorite miracles? Um, in this movie? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've... Are there any ones we haven't covered? Um, I guess not. <laughs> I like that he, like, loves food and has never had it, but I guess enjoys it. That's always a fun angle. This is, a, this is the second movie, at least second movie we've watched, where someone r- discovers they love food. Like, Universal <laughs> Soldier had the same thing. But it's also, like, confusing because, like, he eats pizza and he's like, he doesn't, like, r- realize that it's supposed to be hot. The guy's like, isn't that really hot? And he's like, oh, oh, <laughs> like, he, doesn't, he can eat, but he, he can't feel temperature. Yeah. I wanted to see, so I wonder if, like, he can't feel pain. There's too many unanswered questions about There's the a lot of A lot of lore that they could have gotten into, but. Just, just didn't have time to. I suppose. I think the thing is, that usually, I, I like movies that are lightly supernatural, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I do want to feel like I have a grasp of what the character can and can't do, or can and can't feel. Like, because otherwise, it's I a little just... distracting. <laughs> Please unpack with me. Like, what did he do? What were the accomplishments of Dudley in the preacher's life? <laughs> I mean, they're subtle accomplishments. Really, more of just like. Let's see. How did he? Uh, let's see. When did I watch the movie? Two weeks ago. How did he? Mm. How did he save the uh, the church ultimately? He convinced Hamilton. Yeah, Gregory to, Hines to, to 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 work out a new deal with a magic handshake by intimidating him. Yeah, but then. That was all actually a trick just to get him to go to church because he was actually just moved by Courtney B. Vance's sermon and uh, Whitney Houston's singing. Uh, and, and then he lost all his memories of Dudley. Okay, so that's we can say things he accomplished. One was getting uh, Gregory Hines to go to church on Christmas Day. One is he put a Christmas... He, he made their Christmas tree fancier. Mm-hmm. What else he got? He makes Courtney B. Vance good at court. <laughs> Remember, because there's that guy who uh, is wrongly like is being uh, wrongly convicted of the uh, the robbery, right? And what does Dudley do? You know, he just gives like a good pep talk. He like inspires him. <laughs> I think that's the thing. Does is he? like, yeah. I mean, I don't remember the exact scene, but I feel like he must. Yeah, he must. Right. I see. Okay, he helps people I find movie, the power within. I, themselves I, here 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 is where i i think this is why i gave the movie three stars and you guys care yeah mm-hmm. i walked away from it uh kind of like with like um like you've got mail where it's like if it's if this wasn't denzel in this part if this was a less charismatic <laughs> actor this dudley character is a scumbag he is a scumbag yeah i guess you're right because he's always just walking up to people like oh you're pretty and stuff <laughs> This is like uh, this is like and his Joe main, Pesci. It wouldn't work. His his main agenda for most of the movie is 
seducing Whitney Houston away from Courtney B. Vance. Yeah. Maybe just all angels are handsome, and it's just it's just part of it. Um, it's really hard. Well, he's just learning. He's not perfect. He's got to yeah, learn a lesson, It's, too. like, okay that he's not, like, a perfect angel. Like, he's kind of a crappy angel who gets sidetracked <laughs> I mean, even from fulfilling his mission. His name's like, just, like, freaking okay. Dudley. He's not even, like, any yeah. angel, like... Because, like, Courtney Mance is, like, Dudley. Like, he's like, I've never heard of Dudley. You're not just a real angel. He's, like, a loser angel. He's not... He's, yeah, he's not on the A-team of angels. <laughs> He's just like doing his best, and, you know. <laughs> Mostly just having a good time. Mostly just having a good Eating time. Pizza and hot dogs, and uh, going ice skating, coveting a man's wife, and <laughs> <laughs> learning how to use a '90s computer. Oh, one of the other miracles is he rigs the uh, traf- the traffic signals to, to stop Courtney Fee Vance from getting there when they're ice skating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's crafty. <laughs> That's maybe his best miracle. <laughs> so selfish. I forgot about that He's one. pretty selfish. Yeah. You know, a scene that really stuck out to me if we're just calling out random scenes very selfish. When they're going ice skating <laughs> with the little boy and they just like, like yeah. abandon him by himself on a bench. It's like, we're gonna go skating, sit here on a bench, wait for the hot yeah. chocolate band to come. <laughs> The kid's just like oh, this kid's like five, like six, and they like leave him alone so they can go have a romantic uh, ice skating scene. And who was that hot chocolate man? Yeah, what's the hot chocolate man? Is this something that exists? Because he like came up and he's like, "Oh, where's your mom?" <laughs> like he knew him. Does this kid have money? Like, is this free? No, I love all this stuff. I mean, I don't have a lot of problems with that. You know what I like about this movie? Um is it has a lot of like moving parts, so I feel like it's never boring. It sets up a lot, and maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe Dudley's solution to some of these problems isn't the most satisfying. But I think it's good enough to be like, oh, he inspires people because he's an angel. <laughs> it's good enough for me. Because <laughs> like you got you got the the struggling, uh, you got the church, and then you got uh, Whitney Houston's unfulfilled, and then you got the kids, and one of them, uh, you know. Is, is separated from the rest of the family and then you got the guy who is uh you know they're saying is you know, robbed this place i like that we constantly have stuff to go back to like in the movie there's always it's always moving uh that's why this yeah, movie's like, like over some... two hours but i for me it kind of i kind of flew by I, I i had a great time mm. like some fun side characters too i mean obviously like the gregory hides <laughs> real estate okay. developer guy is a great villain lionel richie shows up as a piano lionel player richie. i got yeah. i gotta say guys there's if there's any place to dock this movie points uh i mean i didn't dock any points if anything i was closer <laughs> to giving this four stars than giving it three stars um is the fact that you have yeah. uh you have lionel richie uh who of course great pianist and he does play piano this but also an amazing singer and then you have mm-hmm. Gregory Hines, one of the like the, the 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 great tap dancers of all time. Both have opportunities to sing and dance. Neither do. Yeah. <laughs> what a ripoff! There's plenty of like Gregory Hines could have done a tap dance in church, or maybe like Dudley could have used his magic to make him tap dance. I kept hoping that they were gonna like have some sort of tap dance off. 
Yeah, that would work. I actually did find there's like a tap dance website that does list all of the movies that Gregory Hines does tap dance in. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that we don't get to see him dance and we don't get to see Lionel Richie sing, that is a little annoying. Though we do get plenty of other uh, songs. We got a lot of singing from, of course, Whitney Houston. Did I read that this is like the greatest selling gospel album of all time or something? Uh, That's what I read, too. That's crazy. It is pretty good. I believe it. Yeah, all those scenes are are really fun, and I I think it is. It's like a, a they did a good job of kind of molding the role to fit Whitney Houston. Um, cause I don't think she had acted that much at this point. Um, I mean, this and the Bodyguard yeah. are the only things that I know of. I I don't know what else there is. Yeah, I think she, at this point she had done The Bodyguard and, like, one other movie. I yeah. think it was Waiting to Exhale. Oh, well, that's a pretty um, famous movie. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the a lot of the reviews at the time were kind of harsh on her acting in this movie. And, like, okay, she's she's not as good as Denzel, obviously. Um, but, like, she brings it in the, the gospel scenes. They're, they're really fun. Um I wish going to church was like that for me. Something <laughs> I don't know, since obviously I didn't go to church, and I certainly didn't go to a, a black church with a gospel choir. I, it, yeah. Their choir is pretty good. I feel like it's hard to believe yeah, they're great. struggling considering how good they are. <laughs> is this just like, I don't know. I want. I just wonder, is this like, are all black Baptist churches like this good in terms of their choir? Or is this, I mean, I doubt. <laughs> I mean, I think they used like a uh, uh, nationally famous gospel. I think I did see, like in the credits, there's like the the such and such choir of. So like these are like Georgia Mass. Yeah, considering like this place is like going under, I guess. Like their their (laughs) choir is like pretty good. That's true. But uh, yeah, you know, I didn't think I was the kind of person who like liked gospel music. But I mean, it basically is just kind of like rock music, just to, like they're singing about the same stuff over and over again. Yeah, I mean, all the all the like uh, '60s R&B and soul stuff yeah. is all like delineated from gospel. That's true. Just like kind of just kind of mixed with the blues. Um, and, like you know, a lot of a lot of great singers from that era started. Um, you know, singing gospel. Uh, okay, there's something that confuses me then. So this movie got it's got Denzel, it's got Whitney, it's got the greatest <laughs> selling gospel soundtrack of all time. I feel like I've <laughs> never heard anyone talk about this movie ever. Why do you think it's so under discussed? Is it because it's a mostly black film and white people are like, oh, I don't want to watch a movie with all those black people? Like, what is the reason here? I think it's that's. Probably part that of it. That sucks. Unfortunately. Uh, I think another part of it could be that it is like a Christmas movie that embraces Christianity, which there aren't that many that are like, you know, widely accepted, mm. beloved Christmas movies that really embrace the Christian aspect of Christmas, which, you know... That, that's the reason the holiday that's exists. That's a really like good point. Is, I didn't consider It is that. a Christian hate holiday. It's a wonderful life so much. Yeah, but that one's like s- more subtle about it. No, I would say it is like almost exactly the same movie. It is, except... Helping a guy realize he's been 
an integral part of his community. I know, but there are no <laughs> there are no scenes that take place in a church uh, that I can recall. Uh, the main character isn't a preacher. That's true. Like this movie, the whole like yeah, just the whole <laughs> uh, content of the story all revolves around people spending time in church on Christmas, which. Uh, not everybody does. I did, though. <laughs> I feel like this movie does a pretty good job, though, of not, like, ran- like uh, you know, not, like, being... You know, like, a scene that I, I don't like and a thing that I do like is I don't like Linus's speech in Charlie Brown. I feel like that comes yeah. off as, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? This is this is weird preachy shit. <laughs> I feel like this movie yeah. does it in a pretty respectable way where it's not, it doesn't feel weird. It just shows you how, you know, uh, God and church can be uh, bring communities together. You know, it, it serves sure. the story. It's, it doesn't feel like it has some weird ulterior motive or something. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. That would make a story like this feel less appealing <laughs> if it was like trying to convert you. If there was like a character in here in this movie who like hated like God, like some weird atheist guy who's like some weird, like evil white businessman or something. Yeah. But no, it's not doing anything like that. I, I, I guess I'm thinking of how, like, in God's Not Dead, you have, like, Kevin Sorbo as the, like, the evil atheist teacher. <laughs> like, a movie can have, like, Chris, just, like Christian, mes- Christian messaging and not, you know, and be for everybody. Yeah. I mean, and it's even, like, you know, it, it is a little bit kind of poking fun at Christianity. I mean, we just talked about how they send an angel to Earth who, like, isn't very good at being an angel. And, like, the preacher guy is kind of, like, pretty humorless for most of the movie. Um, like, they're all they're all flawed characters. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, they, they have their own lives outside of their relationship with God. It doesn't even really come into the movie that much. Um... Yeah, I think the the kind of <laughs> unpreachiness of it, despite the movie's title, uh, is what makes it work. Yeah, so I mean, I think if we're going to ask the question, why isn't this more popular? I think it's just because it's, it's a little too subtle, I think, for people. Mm. It's like kind of subdued. Like, why, That's like, a good point. We're talking about, like, there's not like a ton of magic. There's not a lot of hijinks. It's... I mean, there are a lot of plots, but they're all kind of resolved <laughs> in, like, realistic ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when people are thinking about Christmas movies, they're thinking about the, like, a wonder, the wonder of the of the season, the, the, the magic of the spirit, and, the, and they're, they're, they want something fantastical, and this is more just like, hey, a burnt-out guy can be reminded that he cares about things, and... A woman who's questioning her marriage can be reminded why she loves her husband. And a little boy who's sad can be happy again when he's reunited with his best friend. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is we needed, a, we needed a big, splashy Christmas set piece. And then people would be like, yeah. oh my god, it's yeah. that scene from The Preacher's <laughs> Wife. That scene where... Uh, I feel like the closest thing to that is is kind of the ending where they're putting on the christmas play and then the kid like runs out and whitney houston sings for everybody because she's been that's really weird that she's part of it 
Yeah. Yeah. It's also weird because it's like, it's not like she was really holding back that she's a great singer. I mean, she held back that she was a jazz singer, I guess, but she's singing in the Uh, gospel choir every weekend, I assume. (laughs) There's also a missed, like, like, they even have her as, like, the director already of the choir. Mm-hmm. And there's even the like the part where the woman who's played by Whitney Houston's actual mom is like kind of giving her sass, but she kind of but she like stands up to her and and makes the choir uh, perform the way she wants to and it's better for it. So it's like it, every step of the way, like she's just like on top of this choir stuff. There's never <laughs> really any problems with her singing or organizing the choir or any of that. Like that whole like it's just it's just there because she's a great singer and these are fun songs to hear her sing with this choir like that's it it doesn't really do anything for the plot yeah. that said i since maybe since i brought up the real mom are we going to talk about how the movie mom is like the same age as her oh yeah is she actually or did she just look real good no jennifer lewis <laughs> plays the mom that wasn't true uh she's oh, born yeah. in 1957 whitney houston was born in 1963 wow so <laughs> Six years older than Whitney Houston. She plays her mom. It's fun. I, I'm i of two minds with this. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm like... The, they wasted an opportunity to give an older actress an opportunity <laughs> here. But I, like, I'm also like, it's a movie. There's like an angel in this. <laughs> maybe there this was the best actor for the part and you know whatever who cares how old she was so i'm curious where you guys are on like how realistic casting has to be like does a person have to be like in the demographic of the part they're playing in a movie or is it okay if you fudge the numbers with like age and stuff. I think it's okay. I, I obviously she looked great and I was a little confused, but I just assumed, you know, that is that <laughs> adage black don't crack. So I just assumed she just looked amazing. And I don't, I don't really care because she was so funny. She was like my favorite character in the movie. Oh yeah. I was trying to look that up her lines. On she's a, just like yeah. sizing Denzel up. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? This, this I'm, I'm discovering, I think Sean, you probably discovered this recently too. Um, the preacher's wife has a very kind of like unattended to IMDb. <laughs> I'm looking at the quotes yeah. page. It's really small. Like I was like, oh, uh, Marguerite, that's the Jeff, the Jeff Lewis character. She has so many funny lines. Um, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if they have any of those funny lines on the IMDb quotes page. They have three from her and two of them are the, just the same one twice. <laughs> Um, or, or maybe I'm just clicking on it, but th- that, that man is so oily, you could uh, fry chicken on his smile. But I feel like she had like a lot of funny lines. That's a good line, though. But then there's just so many that aren't here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I choose my favorite character. I don't care. That's just too young. I didn't. I didn't really think about it after a while because I feel like if a, if something's working in a movie, y- y- you'll forget about it and you'll just get used to it and just and you know kind of. Let the, sit in the movie like it's a warm bath, and that's how I felt during this movie. It's like a warm bath with <laughs> some cocoa. <laughs> I had a great time. She's great. Didn't care. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's it's only a problem if it's distracting. It takes you out of the movie, and it. I guess I did second guess it a little bit, but then I just kind of went with it. Um, 
so well. <laughs> yeah, I like everybody in this movie. Courtney Vance, great. Um, he's man has been the same age his whole life. Never seen him young. Never seen him old. I just really he always much. looks like this. Well, I think having those glasses and a mustache. I think that's it. He's just ti- he's kind of instantly <laughs> makes you look instantly. 40. Also, they're just like he's wearing this puffy jacket, and in the movie, just, in the movie, I was like, this is just how like dads looked in the '90s. Maybe really nostalgic for the '90s. <laughs> I actually thought this movie looked a little older, if that makes any sense, than it does. It's 1996. Mm. Like I, I just watched Jerry Maguire mm. recently, and it was insane for me to think this came out in the same year because like this feels more like a '91, and yeah. I don't know why. That really st- stuck out in my mind, but it did. That it felt older than it was. Maybe it's the Petty Marshall effect. That's probably a big part of it. Just her sensibilities and how it was made, and just it's, I guess more of an old-fashioned kind of story. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I I didn't realize that there's a. You may have mentioned it too. That there's a book too from even that's even older. You know, it's like 1928. Yeah. Yeah, the original movie is based on a book. So, this story goes way back. I'm actually kind of surprised that they haven't done it again. Yeah. I remember <laughs> my letterbox review for The Bishop's Wife was if they made this movie again, they'd name it Cucked by an Angel. Cucked by an Angel. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I, that's probably why they haven't made it again. Yeah, because it's too good and too controversial. <laughs> so they're just not going to touch it. Also, it'll just be on Netflix, and they'll barely spend anything yeah. on it. It'll look like shit. Yep. That's, you know, that's something I've been noticing uh, in my Christmas watching this season, is I'm always looking mm. for new stuff. So that's why this was such a joy, to find something like this that's actually like well-produced in a, a Christmas movie. It's like you look at anything beyond like 2010 and just the, the 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 market the landscape is just flooded with these crappy like Hallmark lifetime type movies and then stuff that like looks a lot like those movies too like even stuff that's on Prime and Netflix you have all these really just crappy looking low concept <laughs> Christmas movies I miss stuff like this that was like well produced and like thought that out and like whimsical like, I caught the last half of, what was it, Xmas, spelled like E-X. Like, my X. Like on, it was like a prime original. <laughs> Looks like it cost $10, and it's terrible. <laughs> How did you catch the back half? Well, I went, oh, Autumn was watching it with her watch party, and I came over while it was still going. I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And it's, like, set in Minnesota <laughs> or something, but, like, it clearly, like, this is Vancouver, 1,000%. <laughs> like, you can just tell. There's, like, no snow anywhere. <laughs> it just looks like Vancouver. Um, so, yeah, don't recommend that. I'm going to, if if we can do the opposite of a little pick. I feel like I have done, like, an uh, an unpick. Like something you should stay away from. Xmas. You should stay away from Xmas. Probably. What's the last like actually good, like a recent Christmas movie you've seen that you like? Can you think of any? You guys. <sighs> the nice no. guys. That's not that new. I mean, there was a big one this year. The whole. Oh, the whole. Is perfect. Oh, right. Yeah. Duh. A new Christmas classic. A new Christmas classic. There you go. So it does Absolutely. still happen. It does still happen. Yeah. Can happen. That's it good. It's possible. Uh, oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I wonder if that'll hurt its award, uh, uh, you know, season chances. Like they'll be like, "Oh, it's Christmas over." 
Golden Globes came out today. <laughs> Holdovers did okay, but I think Alexander Payne usually like cleans up at the Globes, and I feel like I I, mm. I, 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 I can't remember, but I feel like he made maybe he didn't pick up a director, or didn't pick up a screenplay, or, or one of those. So uh, that'd be funny, though. I mean. Well, he didn't write it, right? Oh, he didn't write it, really? Okay. No. But he didn't, I don't think he got a director. Because I, th- I thought I heard he has like seven Golden Globe nominations <laughs> and, and a handful <laughs> of wins, too. But, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking, like, oh, but could a Christmas movie, you know, win round Oscar season? But then I'm like, well, you know what happened back in the 40s? Edmund Gwen won an Oscar for playing Santa Claus for Miracle on sure. 34th Street. So it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the best hope for that movie is probably... Paul Giamatti getting nominated for Best Actor, maybe winning. Uh, it's a week now that we're talking. Now we're doing our, our award season chat, uh, which I, I'm always <laughs> down to do. I feel like the yeah. actually lead uh, actor category is pretty weak. Mm-hmm. And there's a movie that was not nominated for any Golden Globes that I thought could have been a player, but I think it's just because it's very underseen right now. I'm very curious to see if. <laughs> we're just I'm just full out of awards show speculation now. Go this is gonna it. hold up really well. I'm very curious to see once it's uh, out more, more people have seen it. The Iron Claw with Zac Efron. I'd really like to see if he actually can mm-hmm. scoop up a nom because that seems like a pretty interesting performance. Because right now it's like, is it really going to go to Bradley Cooper for Maestro? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, I think it's going to be out on Netflix on the twenty December twenty second. But uh, wait, so wait, so Colin, do you know about the Golden Globe nominations? No, I didn't have a chance to look at them. Do you know uh, that Wonka got some Golden Globe nominations? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like people who have seen it have liked it. Uh, I think it's Best Actor. Timothy Chalamet. I mean, I, yeah, it sounds like people like it, and it got good reviews. But let's not let's use a Golden Globe nomination as any kind of like credibility. Because like, yeah, remember Johnny Depp know. got a Golden Globe nomination for for comedy musical for The Tourist. You guys remember the 2010s The Tourist? I do. I do now. So it's like... I, I could not... It's not the biggest... The it's not necessarily like bragging it. rights, but, you know. No. Though, obviously, the Golden Globes, it's a new organization. It's like Dick Clark's company now owns the Golden Globes, so it seems like they played it pretty safe here with picking mostly people... Uh, mostly movies people like. Yeah. Preacher's Wife probably got a handful of... Go- that, is, that feels like a real Golden Globes movie, right? I, I, saw, I think I saw it got an Oscar nom for for music, right? It did. It got one Oscar nom. For Hans Zimmer, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't have that, like... Sometimes Wikipedia's have that sweet little, like, awards section with, like, the like the little chart. But they're, gonna, they're really going to make me go to the IMDb to see how many Golden Globe noms... If it got any. Okay, so I can tell you it got a Blockbuster Entertainment Award nomination. <laughs> uh, Image Awards, Kids' Choice Award nomination, Movie Guide. Wow, no Golden Globes? Oh my god, guys, they really fucked up this Sad. year. Mm. No, I know MTV Movie Awards nominations either. <laughs> it's a damn shame. It is a damn shame. Are you curious what other movies 
Siskel and Ebert reviewed on the episode. Yes, 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 yes. Bring it all full oh, circle. I was actually watching part of it. That's great. Um, okay. they, they actually reviewed Mars Attacks on the same episode see, as The Preacher's see Wife. See what I mean? Like, that feels, those movies feel like different eras. Like, maybe they do. do to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, since I'm sure you're wondering, uh, Siskel and Ebert both gave this a, a marginal thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> Not enthusiastic, but they they both liked it. Um, the other reviews that episode were Marvin's Room, a movie I've never heard of. De Niro, yeah. I believe. Uh, Hamlet, which yeah. I assume that's... That's the Brano one. The brand. Okay. Yeah. Who, is there like a man? Yeah. Citizen and Citizen Ruth is the last review. Oh wow! Coming back to the the pain train. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, since we're just talking about going back to the the '90s, I did not realize Michael came out like a couple weeks later. <laughs> Guys, we gotta watch, the we gotta angels. watch Michael, right? What's his deal? I don't. He's like an angel, but he's like a slob or something, right? Oh, okay. And there's like some people that are like going out from like a uh, a tabloid because there's like uh, because you know back in the '90s there's all these tabloids like oh there's an angel in my backyard yes they're like I found Bat Boy in my basement (laughs) so like I think it's like Andy McDowell and like William Hurt go to investigate. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a very cute dog. Yeah, he's on the poster even. He's got like a feather in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> that, do- that dog is why I'm not sure John will like the movie or not. Oh, no. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> no, nope. uh, Sean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some stuff spoiled, but, but in a good way. I'm kind of skimming through. Okay, here. yeah. You got to just stick with Do it. you know I actually tried to watch what part of Michael once in like the summertime and then I saw there's like a like uh, someone like there's like a shot of like a Christmas tree. I don't even think it was decorated. Or like, they're talking about Christmas. I'm like, nope, turn it off. Never like it's got to be Christmas time. But I actually don't know how Christmassy it even is. I mean, it came out I don't on Christmas. It being Christmassy at all. Okay, so maybe I, I do remember for some reason after all these years, I still remember the trailer to Michael. <laughs> I just remember it's like him walking down the stairs is like I think it's spirit in the sky. It's like I don't know if they really show you much of the movie. They're just getting you super fucking stoked that John Travolta's an angel. <laughs> you know, the nineties we loved our angel media. We got uh, that and we got Preacher's Wife and Dogma, City of Angels. Angels in the outfield. Angels in the outfield, truly a renaissance song, for angel films the song angel by aerosmith yeah dude could have been the late 80s though i'm not sure <laughs> all dogs go to heaven too mm-hmm. i had that on vhs had some angel stuff uh 2000s uh it starts to get a little spotty with the quality of angel films though so i we will we will chris rock yeah, I mean, guaranteed 1,000%, we will watch Legend of Bagger Vance someday. I did not realize that Bagger Vance was supposed to be an angel, but he's under it's under angel films. I thought he was just a ghost. Okay. I think that's why we got to um, watch it to see what's up. <laughs> it's the only way we'll know. Yeah, we're going to watch that someday. We, may, probably not, we probably aren't going to watch Michael. I'll just go watch it on my own. I don't know. Yeah. How many goddamn angel movies are we going to cover? 
I, I will say I would watch uh, the the angel. What's it, angels in the outfield if it was like available? Because isn't that the mm-hmm. thing? It's like because I, I told you guys like last baseball season, I was like trying to find it on streaming. It's just it's not like available anywhere for some reason. <laughs> you know what? I didn't think about it until right this second. I, mm. So I was like, why is this not on Disney Plus? And I was like, it, it was, what's Disney's problem with this movie? I was like, maybe it's more of an issue with Major League Baseball. I, I don't know. I, I didn't mm-hmm. think about that till right now. I, I don't know what that issue would be, but it does have like actual MLB teams. Yeah, I think that would be it. So they just can't, don't have the rights to use like the team logos, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but I want to. I want to see it. I've never seen it. We're gonna watch it someday. I'm, I'm gonna find some way to watch it. I just yeah. like. I've seen the trailer many times, and I just love That's... that. It's like. You know when they what's the the deal? Is that his dad or stepdad? Like, like when he'll be a family again when the angels win the pennant? Like, what a horrible thing to say to a child. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you had to say someone's like, "We'll be a family again when the Bears win the World Series," God. which will be so, never. so we'll never be a family. Is what you're saying, Dad? And I always remember there's a, like, the prayer he does. I just remember it starts with him going, dear, dear God, if there is a God. Yeah. Which I was like, that's, should you be hedging your bets in the prayer? <laughs> if there is a God. If there is a God. Well, he's just speaking from the heart, which is what Dudley always taught people to do. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah, dude. Dudley's my, my. Is there a you think there's a heroes wiki that has Dudley on it? Because I'm wondering <laughs> is uh, is Joe Hamilton on villains? Oh, that'd be pretty good. I, you know, I can write it. I guess there's nothing stopping. Yeah. Me. Um, no. What are his crimes? Just like gentrification. <laughs> yeah, no. All, all I can get, it's all like I can find greedy. is Aaron Burr from Hamilton. <laughs> no, sadly no. Is there any goofs, John? Yeah. No, not yet. <laughs> okay, I got I got one, I think. That I think I noticed, but I think may just be bad direction. <laughs> okay. It just it really stuck out to me. Um and I feel like if if we could all watch sit together and watch this scene again, you guys might I might be able to convince you that this is not what they meant uh, so there's a scene where there's the two young boys and you know one of the boys gets sent to go live at the the foster home or whatever but then there's a part where he comes back and this is after dudley has um fixed the ambulance toy and uh yeah. the, the two mm-hmm. kids are like um are pushing the ambulance toy like uh they're like sitting down on the ground and he's like kind of rocking it back and forth like you would with a toy car and one and yeah. it looks like they're like one kid's pushing the front and the other kid's pushing the back and they're both going back and forth and back and forth. But then we're watching that. And it's like, but the other kid's not actually touching the ambulance. Why is he rocking back and forth? And we rewound it. And we watched it a couple times. It was so funny. And I, I don't know. The, the, so one of the kids is pushing the ambulance. The other kid is just moving back and forth. Now, this could just be kids being dumb. But, like, I feel like he's supposed to be pushing the ambulance. But he's actually, his hand's not on it. He's just moving like he's pretending to push it. So it's kind of hard to explain if you're not watching it. And again, this could just be like mm-hmm. kids being dumb, <laughs> or it could be like they had a bunch of takes. 
I don't know. I, I really don't know, but it, it felt really weird. So, okay. if it, it, maybe again, then again, I feel like this could be incorrectly regarded as a goof. Yeah, I'd have to uh, ask somebody who worked on the movie. <laughs> like, was that was it, is it supposed to be yeah. like that? Is that kid supposed to be pretending to push an ambulance? So, it's all John's speculative goof. John's speculative goofs. Na 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 Um. Yeah, how are we gonna close out this this season? What's everybody's favorite Christmas movie? That's a really boring question, right? Mm, yes. What's my I favorite don't, Christmas? I don't know. Oh. I don't have an interesting answer. I don't have an interesting answer either. I will say my favorite tradition. It's not my favorite Christmas movie. My favorite tradition has become watching Krampus every year. Really underrated recent Christmas movie. Uh, Michael Doherty's uh, Krampus with Tony Collette and Adam Scott. Highly recommend it. I got to recommend the right one because I'm sure there's a bunch of Asylum knockoffs that came out around the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, that Gremlins. Anything that's like a spooky Christmas, I like. I, there's some I haven't checked out this year. I mean, they don't look that good. Like, I don't, I don't imagine it's a wonderful knife is going to be very good. But I'll still check it out. <laughs> yeah. Sean, is your family still doing the Die Hard tradition? If you, or is there any new movies? Yeah, I mean the Die Hard and um, Christmas Vacation. Love Christmas and, Vacation. Uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth so Street. Are kind of the big yeah. three in our family. Elf is up there. I see. I'm. Um, f- I've got Elf fatigue. I'm the opposite. I feel like they always watch Elf when I'm not. Oh, really? There. I feel like I haven't seen Elf that many times. I don't. It's not. I don't have fatigue from watching the movie. I have fatigue from just the merchandise and how often it's mentioned. Um, and then obviously Little Women. Uh, oh yeah. Ooh. I didn't think about that. I mean, it takes place in all the seasons, but yeah. Well, I mean, so does It's a Wonderful it's a Life, Christmas but everyone movie. just says Christmas movie. It's like, not all of it. It's true. You gotta watch the yeah. whole thing, buddy. True. <laughs> you do. And the Christmas scene's the best scene. Yeah. I like this, like, spring dance where he's doing, like, the funny, uh, he's doing, like, a funny little dance with oh, yeah. his knees. He's got, he's got moves. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, do you have any traditions, Colin? Maybe you should. Maybe this traditions? is the year you start a tradition. I, was, I mean, I feel like a lot of years I watched The Apartment. Oh, there you go. The Christmas movie. Um, I've definitely seen Gremlins a few times in the last few years. Um, also, just rewatched uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol, oh, which is one I watched a lot as a kid, then didn't watch for years and years. And then I watched it with Nina, and she she loved it. <laughs> so we just watched it again. Uh, and I I always like to check in on TBS's uh, A Christmas Story marathon on Christmas Day. You know, watch watch a, a half hour or so, then go back to just like eating or taking a nap on the couch, and then and then watch a little more of it later in the day. You guys, you guys know what else I, I rewatched uh, this holiday season? Reindeer games. What the fuck is wrong? I'm trying. I'm, I'm gonna will this into making this a holiday what are you classic. Doing? It's very Christmassy. It is. Autumn and I watched it as like uh, like we watched we're watching something else and we're like yeah this is lame and so I, it was kind of like a last minute substitution because like this movie's pretty funny and it is it, it hit again. It's really stupid and it, it's very Christmassy because like the people will say stuff they'll be like. 
And when you get back, I, I want to. I only want to see you wearing a candy cane. It's like, oh, because it's Christmas. Everyone's saying stuff about Christmas. Because like, don't, that's that's what it's like. Like in real life, when it's Christmas time, you just start you, you change up your vocabulary to make it all Christmas related. Sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm gonna make it a Christmas classic. I'm gonna start a movie. So that was that was our Christmas movie last it was. year, wasn't it? What was our Christmas What's... movie the year before? We did love actually one year. That's right. Um, is that it? Are those all the ones? Oh, the Christmas movies I feel we've like done. There must have been another one. I want to remember. Sh- I feel sure. bad because we're, we're we're finishing off the season. I remember last year Sean had a Christmas kind of theme movie. I was like, we'll get it next year. So <laughs> maybe next year. <laughs> Yeah, I was planning on doing this movie last year, but then we had to uh, review something. I mean, I was what planning on doing Notting Hill like the first year of this podcast. So yeah, it, it I, takes a while. I it, think. Well, happen. I mean, that we usually are also at the end of the year. There's like another like big movie to watch. Like last year, it was Avatar. Wow, that's um, what it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple years ago it was Wonder Woman 1984. That's right. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's Rise of Skywalker in 2019. Sure. Uh, which was the first year we started doing this. I feel like if we were going a little deeper into December, I feel like you would have forced me to see Wonka, Sean. You would have picked Wonka. <laughs> Sean's got Wonka fever. <laughs> I still could. He's got his golden every, ticket. Every other podcast I listen to. They are obsessed with Wonka. It's either the most effective viral marketing campaign in history, or I guess it's just a meme that everyone wants in on. Hmm. I just like, I'm sure it's a totally fine, probably a good movie. I'm just like against it in in principle. (laughs) I think the most interesting thing still is that people like it's coming out. And it's still not clear to me on if it is a musical. I think it is. Mm -hmm. But it's probably not. It probably just has like a few. It's probably as much of a musical as the original, right? Because like people don't say that's that's a musical, but it's got a lot of songs in it. Yeah. I am a little worried. I say worried like I'm going to rush out and see it. But I am a little worried that the only flashes of music they're giving us in the trailers are like songs we're already familiar with. Like the Oompa Loompa song and the... Right, and that's really interesting. Yeah, because the that song is called uh, uh, like "World of Pure Imagination," right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a song in this one. I'm gonna Google it really quick because it's like a world of your own or something. Okay, like that. you know, it's, I feel like it's not uncommon though for musicals to just kind of tease the music. Like there's that new Mean Girls trailer or. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember back when the Sweeney Todd trailers were running back in the day. They there's barely any music in the trailers. There's just like a scene of Johnny Depp being like, "There will be murder." Like that was it. There's like no other song, like hint of a song in any of those trailers. Yeah. And I, to the point where I'm like, "This is a musical, right?" <laughs> so the, actually, now that now that if we're going in the the realm of Sweeney Todd advertising. I don't know if this is like, yeah, like a huge musical. Like it has like a bunch of songs, or if it just has like three. I don't know. It's called okay. The song in this one is called "A World of Your Own," which sure sounds like a world of pure imagination. 
but did it get any golden globes (laughs) (laughs) no looks like the only one was for timothy well i mean also the golden globes had to nominate like every possible barbie song they could did you guys see i know we gotta wrap this up but did you guys see that they have that category for like box office achievement i can't remember exactly how they worded it um I even like took a screenshot because I was so mad. This is like as bad as when the Oscars did like their like fan choice award. They called it cinematic and box office achievement, and it's it's Barbie, Guardians of the Galaxy, John Wick, Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, Across the Spider Verse, the Mario Brothers movie, and to the Taylor Swift Eras Tour movie. Okay. But it's like, who is this? Just like what? Is it what movie made the most money? Is it just which one is like most impressive? I mean, it's Barbie that's most impressive. Or maybe the Taylor yeah, Swift thing, it, I guess. I think it's just like it made money, but it also isn't a complete piece of shit, which we applaud. You know what? I think you're right. I didn't put it, I didn't take that into consideration that all these... Because uh, I don't think these are like the... There's probably a couple movies in the top ten that did well. Like I don't, I don't see any Five Nights at Freddy's on this list. That did really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Mission Impossible famously underperformed because it was released right in front of Barbenheimer Weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think the last Transformers did pretty good. <laughs> I don't see that here because I don't think it was as well received. So yeah, I think that's it. It's like well received, did well, and is good. <laughs> yep. Which I guess there. Oh, you know what? This is what wasn't on the list. Fast X. Yeah. That's the number. That's the fifth highest grossing movie of the year. Nowhere to be seen for box office achievement. <laughs> or Little Mermaid, another movie people didn't really like. I don't think Fast X makes my top ten this year, guys. This Not even ten. You, yeah, you should make it your honorary eleven. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It didn't. I would say Saw X has an outside chance, but probably not. Saw. It's so good, guys. Saw. It's the best one they've ever made. Yeah. There were a lot of X movies this year, but I was more of a fan of the part one movies this year, TBA. And then next year, and maybe we'll get to cover some of these on the podcast, it's all about kingdoms and empires. We will get to cover it because, guys, holiday stuff is coming to the blog and your podcast feed soon. We're going to be posting top tens over at MollyPlease.com. Then we're going to do some podcasts like the Molly Pleased Awards and our most anticipated movies of the year. So get hyped for that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were going to just like play us out or not, Sean. You got it to go over there. He's uh, Captain Phillipsing you, Colin. He's he the captain then. That's not my blood! <laughs> Uh, yeah, all that stuff that Sean said was right. <laughs> we're, we're reaching... Have you called my wife? <laughs> yeah, 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 all right, all right. No, I meant, I meant call it's Captain Phelps, Sean. You're Bark Hat Abdi, because you're, tra- you're taking over the ship. You're the, ca- oh. you're the captain now. Look at me, look at me. You're the captain now. Uh, anyways, yes, that, that wraps up another season of The Pick. Um... Yeah, we'll, we'll have the Mildly Plays Awards coming up soon, as well as our top tens of this year. But they probably won't come out on the vlog until next year, early January. That's our that's our sweet spot for a top ten list. I know yeah. no one else has the balls to post their top ten lists. 
in January, Hell but yeah. we do because it's like what what else are we closer do to the January? Oscars? We're, we're like yeah. as good as the Oscars. Mm-hmm. We re- we really are. <laughs> so uh, be on the lookout for all that great content uh, in the in the next few months. I'm sure it will be as good as springtime and mom's home cooking all rolled into one.